0: Today's podcast is brought to you by audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash outnow podcast. Over one hundred thousand titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's www.audibletrial.com slash outnow podcast. <laughs>
1: If not everything might be shrinking Then mommy might not even like that size I think you ought to make a move
2: Bothered
0: me anyway. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe! Ola! Out Now is a film podcast, which you might already know, but regardless, this is gonna be our second half of our special bonus episode, our top tens of 2013. We ran so long that we had to split this episode in two, so, you know, it's a double bonus for you listeners out there, but, um, yeah, not... Much else to say except get back into it, right, Abe?
3: Yeah, just get super stoked for what comes up next. You just never know what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, I, I don't even know. I forgot. So i got to listen back to this to hear what happens at the end of this episode. i got to find out what these number ones were. <laughs> Stay tuned. Stay tuned. And let's just hear back what Scott Maxwell and Mark had to say. Let's go. All right. Let's get to number fours now. Scott, what's your number four pick?
4: Uh, short-term twelve. This was the little art house film that just couldn't, unfortunately. Um, This is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful little human drama. Uh, Brie Larson is terrific in a just world. She would be one of the front runners for the Oscars. But at this point, she would be lucky to get a nomination. Um, It concerns uh, she plays a counselor at a a supervisor at a home, a foster home for at-risk foster kids. And it deals with her personal dramas and it deals with the dramas of the kids at the institution, not institution, at the facility, specifically the ones that are basically about to turn 18 or going to be cut out, you know, into the world of, you know, and, you know, this isn't, you know, basically when you're a foster kid and you turn 18, you're set off by yourself with like nothing. You have no family, you have no, you know, you have no resources, et cetera, et cetera. And it is a film of both heartbreak and just incredible emotional uplift often in the same scene. It is, I wish it had been, you know, I wish it had gone wider in terms of theatrical release. It's on VOD right now. It comes out on DVD, I think on the 14th. Correct. Yes. Um, And it was, it's a terrific, terrific, incredibly powerful, incredibly, it's just a great, great movie. And I wish it had found more of an audience.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed Short Turn 12. Though Short Turn 12 was my number 11. Like if I had to <laughs> – like I, I really wanted to try – I already had to make a tie, so I couldn't like put another no one in here. No so, But Short Turn 12, and I just – I had to – I got to review the Blu-ray, and I just got to watch it again a couple days ago. That movie is terrific. It's just – everything it does is just does it very well. I think Brie Larson uh, Brie Larson's an actress I, I've liked for some time now, and it's nice to see her. In this really strong dramatic role, that really shouldn't earn her more, uh, more consideration for awards or what have you. But regardless, it's just, it, you know, it could take away from the fact that it is a very good performance. And I do think, and the whole, the, the entire cast, both the adult actors and the younger actors, I think there's a, just a great talent on display here. And it's a very well made film and very much a film worth anybody's time. It's one that I hope doesn't get, you know, kind of shuffled away as, oh, that's that film that critics like because it's this cool drama. But it's, it, I think there's more to it. I think it is just a very watchable movie. It has, it's moments of levity, and it has good filmmaking, and it has things about it that just make it a very watchable film but, and just one that's very you know, good and one, one that really deserves people's time. So.
4: It's, it's a film that you know, celebrates the idea that, that you know, it's easy to score emotional points with expected tragedy. It's harder to you know, mm. score emotional points with unexpected goodness, and this is a film that thrives on small moments of unexpected goodness. Maxwell, what is your number four film?
5: Okay, my number four film uh, is Inside Lewin Davis. Solo act?
1: Yeah, now.
5: Now? Used to, what, work with a cat? Every time he'd play a C major, he'd puke a hairball.
1: I used to have a partner. What happened? Threw himself off the George Washington Bridge.
5: Well, I don't blame him. I couldn't take it either having to play Jimmy Crack Corn every night. Oh, pardon me for saying so. That's pretty stupid, isn't it? George Washington Bridge.
1: You throw yourself off the Brooklyn Bridge, traditionally. George Washington Bridge. Who does that?
5: I had a lot to say about it, but um, to save time, I'll basically say rewind the podcast and listen to <laughs> every- Scott said, uh, and that's what I have to say. This is just a gorgeously melancholy film. The Coen brothers never cease to... You know impress and and mature and and try new things they're what- wonderfully idiosyncratic and it's the, the music you know i 'm still listening to the soundtrack and probably will be for many years to come very well. <laughs> very well. Mark, what is your number four film of the year
2: that would be the way way back, and my thoughts about this film are very well documented on this show actually <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love this film I think what I, I think what makes it so special is it a chance not with action or special effects it's just it concerns people and I think the people's desires and longings really resonated with me. I think it really seems sincere. Um, the young actor Liam James who plays the, the, the young adolescent at the center of this drama is really good and he's surrounded by a supporting cast uh, that's really strong. And his interactions with these different people are really good. I, I will, I've said this a few times on Twitter, but I really would love... I don't think it's going to happen, but I'd love to see Sam Rockwell get a best supporting nod for this role. I think he's really sweet and and genuine, and I think the, the movie... It just makes you feel good. It, it's a really kind of a heartwarming film, but not in a... It, it's it's heartwarming, but not in a like cloying way. I, I think it, it it feels very genuine, and it comes from a re- very real place. Um and I, I just, I really enjoyed it. And I did see this back in July when it came out and I'm still thinking about it. And that's part of the reason why I, I have it so high is because I don't think I would still be thinking about it if, if it hadn't you know, made such an impression on me.
4: Water Whiz Water Park, built in the summer of 83, is the last bastion of everything that time period stood for. In fact, it was decreed by its creator that this place shall never age. <laughs> on his deathbed, he said, I don't want this place repainted or updated. I don't even want it brought up to code. The minute someone tries, it needs to be destroyed. We actually have a nuclear bomb for just such an occasion. Bought it off the Russians. Really? You still good with all that? Even the Russian thing? That's Cold War, it's kind of dated. All right, thanks, that was wasted a bit.
1: Hey. Hey. Some
3: kid threw up, your crazy too.
4: What? Why is this the first I'm hearing of this? Damn it, woman! Kaitlin Duncan, Tony Mary Beth.
3: Hi, Duncan. Also, I need you to reorder more mats. Did it? Finish the work schedule for next week. Did it? Change all the filters. Done. Right. So you know I'm gonna check all that stuff, right?
5: Oh, well, in that case, I didn't do any of that.
3: Right, so I'm doing
5: it. It's called delegation, baby. I read about it in the book about it. Yeah, it's, it's a good choice. I know Aaron and I shared our admiration for it a couple times over mm-hmm. Twitter or whatever, and I agree completely about Sam Rockwell. He certainly would if I if I got to vote on the Oscars, he'd certainly make my ballot. I. I... People know that I love The Way, Way Back, and that's not just because
0: I got to interview the cast, whatever. Like, I loved this movie beforehand, (laughs) and it's like. Hashtag humble. Because it came up so. Because I I tweeted incessantly about this movie when it was out, and it, it was just. It's such a good time. It's such a. Sam Rockwell's so wonderful with this movie. I love Liam James kind of opening up as the film went along and the way that plays out. And I love Steve Carell in this movie. I think he's such a jerk in this movie, but you get to there's a there's a level of understanding of who this person is that I really tapped into just because of how effective I found it to be in terms of what this who this guy is and that he's 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 not like necessarily he's obviously an antagonist but he's not a villain per se and it's such a it's an interesting performance to play against type for for him and along with just this other all these other wonderful performances in this movie there's just a lot of things about the way way back that I really responded to, even if it is quote-unquote, easy in terms of a coming-of-age story. Like, it just worked for me. It just clicked, and just very entertaining to watch.
5: And I, I think it, it sort of captures the feeling of summer, childhood summer, really well.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with that.
3: Uh, Abe, what is your number four film of the year?
5: Number four is Rush. I really
3: enjoyed this film immensely. I think uh, I think we're the only theater that clapped at the end of the, the film um, when it concluded. And I remember watching this film, and I was thinking, this is why folks who are in, I guess, race car driving, but also just in anything while you have rivals. They sort of seem to make you better. They want to make you push and, and succeed farther than you have succeeded before. Um, and it's a really good score as well. Uh, the score, mm. One But Lost, is is one of my favorites of this uh, of this 2013. Simultiography is great. Sound is great. If you miss it in theaters, hopefully they'll replay it again. You should check it out because <laughs> it's just that intense. And um, I remember watching this and thinking that there was a, a pivotal, pivotal moment and I thought that would be the end of the film. But no, it goes on and it kind of uh, tells you a little bit more of these two folks. And again, it doesn't really pit one person against the other in terms of this guy's a good guy and that guy's a bad guy. They're both equally um, narcissistic in their own ways. So de- definitely a, a, a very good film.
5: Definitely.
3: Great performances in this film. The sound design is so good in this movie. Yeah. like, yeah. if gravity
4: didn't exist, <laughs> like, this
5: would be like a shoe-in for, like, sound awards. What the heck? Spread yeah.
4: the wealth it needs to love. I mean, yeah.
5: i mean, sorry. Oh, go, go, Maxwell. I was just to say, from a technical perspective, it's one of the most impressive movies of the year. Anthony Don Mandel's cinematography, the sound design, like, the rumbling of the engines just, like, overwhelmed the theater and made you feel it was so visceral. You felt like you were in these cars. And it's practically
0: an indie movie. Yeah, I was like, it's was
5: It's a cheap movie, and it's so
0: unfortunate that Ron Howard was not more successful with this movie in terms of box office. Like, he did, he did his best to, like, to get it made, for one thing, and try to, like, spread it around. And it just it – ta- it didn't cross well, the finish line as strong as it could have been. It's
4: done $90 million worldwide
0: that's okay
4: that's pretty I, I just, on, a, on a
5: 38 million dollar budget it's that's be
0: that's solid it just yeah. it's, it just didn't break out as strong as i guess you know i, I really films i
5: really just think americans don't know what to do with formula one and that's it if it was nascar if it had been a nascar movie it would have been huge and
0: that's well, another thing too like i ricky I don't,
5: bobby did do pretty well
0: it sure <laughs> did. i don't i don't follow cars i don't i don't follow formula one and it's not my thing, but I really enjoyed this movie, and it was the movie, it was like the de facto choice for me to say, like, what should you go see this weekend? You should go see Rush. I said I was saying that for like three or four or five weeks straight, just because it's such a, I think it's such a entertaining movie that could work for pretty much anybody as far as kind of adult dramas go, or adult movies in general go.
4: No, and I, I liked very much that it was an adult drama, that, you know, the kind of thing that used to be taken for granted in the eighties and nineties. But now almost feels like an art picture by comparison. I mean, we always talk about why we don't have new movie stars. It's because people like Chris Hemsworth don't get that many vehicles like this to be stars. Um and it did feel like a rarity and, and it was good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, but and it just it just you know it emphasized how good Rod Howard is without really making his imprint known all that much. You know, I think he'll be utterly like, underrated That's because he, he, he
5: he's one of the best invisible directors of his generation. He can adapt to whatever genre he decides to do. Yes.
0: Okay. Um, my number 4 film is Inside of Davis. We've talked about it already, but I will just repeat the same thoughts and add that I Oscar Isaac is absolutely terrific in this movie. Yeah. Maybe one of my best perform, favorite performances male performances of the year. The songs obviously. Of them, I listened to the soundtrack quite a bit. Um, it's another kind of assumption that Coen Brothers films would most likely make my top ten list of the year, and they just proved that once again. I just found this film <laughs> immensely entertaining for what it was, tr- what it was doing, um, and it's this kind of weird, not subtle comedy, but certainly has moments played for kind of mild laughs, but also played for reflection and. I just really like the way that it brought this all together how it fits as this coen brothers somewhat experimental film as opposed to their more kind of mainstream type films like true grit um which i also just loved immensely as well but um it's it's just it's just them doing the kind of thing that they've been able to do for years now and still showing that they're very good at that thing which i think is quite impressive for a directing duo that continues to come up with these very outside the box type pictures yet find a way to make them all very successful movies with maybe one or two exceptions. So that's a pretty tremendous track record. All right. Let's get to our, get in the top threes
4: here. Okay. Scott, what is your number three film of the year? Frozen. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not going to get into whether it was the best cartoon, Disney cartoons, the Lion King or any of that rubbish. I, I generally like more, more Disney cartoons than I don't. But I will say this is probably among their 25, you know, the, the top 25%, for whatever that's worth. Uh, it's superb. I know it's been discussed elsewhere. Yes, it works as a, a coming out metaphor. I think Let It Go, the song, aside from being a great power anthem, is going to be sort of a generational anthem for teens coming out of the closet for the next 25 years. Um, the story works. And the reason the movie for me at least, worked as well as it did, is it was Disney saying, we're not going to be ashamed to do female-centric princess princess stories anymore because that's what we do, and we do it better than anyone else. And this was in a weird way, I I, I like this film a lot more, reminded me of Skyfall from last year, and then it took its quote-unquote franchise and sort of went back to the basics and did the basics... Better than they had been done in a long time, and as a result, reignited the brand. I mean, it's no secret this film is going to cross million, $300 dollars million either Monday or two. Well, by the time you by the time you're listening to this, it will have crossed three hundred million dollars. Um, it's going to be the biggest initial release Disney cartoon of all time. Um, you know, The Lion King did 312 before the re-release. This will have 312 by the end of next weekend, if not sooner. Um, the songs are great. The acting, mostly by voiceover professionals and Broadway actors as opposed to celebrities, is terrific. Uh, Visually, it's dynamic. Um, And it's a wonderful story that slightly subverts the, the, the cliches of the princess fairy tale without deconstructing them. It still is proudly a princess fairy tale. It's simply better. It's simply Disney saying, this is, this is what we do that separates us from Pixar. This separates us from DreamWorks and, and Blue Sky and Illumination. This is what we do. We do it better than anyone else. And it was them sort of saying, you know, we will not go quietly into that good night. Disney animation still matters, damn it. And, yeah. And it's, it's, it's box office success. Has been the happiest was easily the happiest box office story of 2013. Um, it's a terrific picture. It's my favorite animated film of the year. Um, yeah, and I've ranted enough about it. Uh,
2: it was number one last weekend in its seventh week. So, yes, if there's anything that shows the testament to its staying power. That's that's unheard of.
4: Uh, yeah, it's it's having legs. You know, more similar to a James Cameron film.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's a. Okay. Um,
4: it's it's got you know, it'll do three hundred million by what's today's date? You know, Monday or Tuesday the seventh, and it's probably still got another thirty million, fifty million to go. It might pass despicable me with three you know, three sixty seven. Uh it definitely will if it ends up with a bunch of Oscar attention. But we'll see. It's it's already a huge smash hit. It's done six thirty eight worldwide. It's gonna you know, it's already top tangled. Um yeah. It, now it's just a question of where in the record books it ends up. And it's such a triumphant, you know, not to use the the headline that I used in my review, but it really was a triumphant reaffirmation of Disney's cultural legacy.
0: Yeah. I was trying to make a Save Mystery Banks joke, but I can't think of one, so i <laughs>
4: just
0: stop there. <laughs> that,
5: that was good enough.
0: All right. Uh, Maxwell, what is your number three film of the year?
5: My number three film of the year is Before Midnight. Um, I look back to when I first saw Before Sunset and Before Sunrise, and I found them to be so wonderful and such an interesting experiment. Uh, And now that nine years later we have returned to these characters would be great just from a perspective of ambition, but that this film is perhaps even better than the first two because it, it comes at these characters with... I don't want to give you know, if you haven't seen it or you've seen the first two and I don't want to necessarily give away because part of the, the wonders of of the this series is, is sort of checking back in on these people and seeing where they are in terms of their relationship. But what what's so great about it is what it has to say about relationships. And it and it doesn't say it in a showy way, it doesn't say it in a um melodramatic way. It's just a movie about two people who the audience now has the benefit of having known from the previous films, talking, and the conversations are naturalistic and honest and poignant, and and, and the the final act of the movie is this incredible argumentative set piece. You know, I use the word set piece lightly. Obviously, it's not an action sequence that just took my breath away in terms of the truths I felt it unveiled of. You know the relationships we can have with the people in our lives, romantic or, or otherwise. Um, it was just great, and and the performances both Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy are are terrific. You know they bring a lot to these roles because they co write the screenplay, and these are characters they played before, and they played you know far younger in their lives, so they can bring their own real life experiences, the the relationships they've had, the struggles into these characters and that that becomes you know clear in the movie um you know Richard Linklater is such an elegant director the, I think these are you know easily his best films you know he he doesn't he's not showy he just lets it breathe the the way it depicts Greece is beautiful I, I just love this film and this tri- this now trilogy is just to me one of the, the great um achievements in cinema and and I hope in another 9 years I, I would love nothing more than to check back in with these characters.
0: What's neat about these films as a trilogy is that it's maybe along with I don't know three colors and perhaps the Star Wars films maybe some of the most interesting movies to watch in different orders and still get a unique reaction based off that. Like you could probably watch you could watch you could watch these movies backwards and have a maybe a different understanding or a different reaction sure. than how you'd watch them if you watched them in chronological order and they'd still be very effective. No matter what, just because they, they are really well acted, well 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 written, and well directed films, it's 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 very impressive.
4: I'm I'm hesitant to say this, but I might actually be even more impactful watching it backwards. Right? <laughs> because you have the the you know the, the foreknowledge of of how things turn out, which which adds an extra pathos to the innocent beginnings. Definitely it
5: just, just even just the way we're talking about it That's just i find the whole thing so remarkable and that the quality of all three of the movies is consistent if not increasing with each movie it just i mean it blows me away i know that's such a <laughs> cliched phrase but just really incredible
0: i wouldn't undersell rich linklater's direct like yeah it's certainly not showy but i think he's no, I mean, he's, it, he's doing a lot there that's
5: well he he has a, a effortless control over every i mean a lot of the time i find direction that's not obvious or showy all the more impressive especially if the film you know it feels consistent in tone and performance you know you don't have to do a lot to make a lot work i mean he's terrific and you know he too is you know this one the first one was one of the first movies he ever made when he was you know in his 20s and so he too has grown up and matured and evolved as a filmmaker alongside these characters and it shows in, in the respect and the love that all three of these collaborators I mean, bring to it I, I can't speak highly of it enough um, I actually
4: hadn't seen either of the first two films until this one came out and just by happenstance I, I knew I was going to have time on a specific Friday to see it so I saw Before, before uh, Sunrise on Wednesday Before Sunset on Thursday and then Before uh, Midnight on Friday which was, I have to say, a really weird way to watch them but it, it 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 really worked. I I'm fascinated it's certainly one of the more unique of trilogies. And I would agree with you. It it taken as a as a whole, it is one of the more interesting cinematic achievements of the recent you know, of recent years.
0: Along with maybe like the Toy Story trilogy or Yes.
4: Uh I'm a sucker for, for franchises that actually acknowledge the progression of time. Even something as seemingly trivial as Men in Black Three or Indiana Jones, The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. You know, uh uh you know, if you want, you're even like you live free or die hard. You want to make a, a sequel 10 years after the fact? Fine. Acknowledge how you know time has passed and make that part of your story.
5: Anyway. And this, this movie is all about time. The time yes, exactly. Time. All right.
0: Mark hobin what is your number three film in 2013?
2: So, uh, back when Abe was talking about his fourth pick, I was sort of uh, distinctly silent because my third pick is Rush. It was my line. I had that corner. What do you mean, the one that you
1: spun out of and finished facing the other way? I think that corner had you. That move was thought of suicide. What if I hadn't break? We'd have crashed. Well, no, no, we didn't, did we? Thanks to your impeccable survival instincts. <laughs> you. What's your name? It's very simple. Hunt. It rhymes with a word that happened to describe you perfectly. Who is that? I have no idea. He looks like a rat, doesn't he? <laughs>
2: and I, <laughs> I think it's simply the greatest movie about auto racing ever made. I don't know if there's like a lot of choices for, to pick from that, but it's it's definitely the best, and I think it combines the best of both worlds. It's got this adrenaline-pumping, intense action sequences, and then it's also got this engaging character study between two fierce rivals. And uh, Abe, you even brought this up. It's It makes the really uh, good case that these two guys are deeply indebted to each other because they push each other in order to be the best. So it's like they, despite the fact that they sort of superficially hate each other, they really need each other. And I thought that was kind of an interesting dynamic. And, um, you know, the advertising for this film, understandably, was really featuring Chris Hemsworth a lot. So I thought it was about Chris Hemsworth. And then when I got to the story and started watching it, I'm like, no, this is actually about both the guys. And I you know, I walked in kind of rooting for one and walked out rooting for the other. Um, and I think Daniel Brühl is incredible in this film. This is actually uh, the category of best supporting actor, in my opinion, is going to be the most it, – it's got the most choices this year. I, I think there are so many supporting actor uh, people that could I, – I, you could take the top five and then take the next five and then take the next five and all of those – would actually be uh, you know good choices for uh possibilities and daniel Brühl i i hope he gets nominated for best supporting actor i don't I, I think he's kind of you know kind of like a favorite but i mean with that category it really it could almost be anybody but regardless it, it, it's a great um it, and great performance from chris hemsworth as well i mean they're both really good um and yeah it was a really enjoyable film
5: it, it's almost unfair to call Brule a supporting actor. I mean, they're really co-leads.
2: Yeah, I, I personally, I, I,
5: I would call him a lead,
2: but I know that he's being marketed as supporting actor, so that, why that's why i
5: I mean, he's not at all well-known. He's, you know, foreign, and he definitely has a better shot. I, I personally think he will be nominated, but... Um,
4: for what it's worth, he is featured prominently in the advertising in Europe, for obvious reasons. Um, It's just that, you know, Chris Hemsworth is the star of the American-centric advertising because... Because Tom's a celebrity here. What
0: are you talking about? He's a Norse god in Europe. Exactly. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> even bigger. That's bigger than acting. <laughs> he controls the weather. Like that's. Oh. He's the storm, storm? of Europe. <laughs> all right, Abe, right, right. <laughs>
5: hey,
3: what is your number three film? Of Number three is Gravity. I really like this film a lot as well as what everyone has said. Uh, I think that the quiet moments are the the ones that get me the most uh, when there's absolutely no other noise except for maybe someone breathing. Uh, and then there was a the part where I kind of just let myself go and sort of empathize with this character even more than, than I thought I could. And I just felt a great deal of sadness. And I kind of felt her her frustrations and also, I guess, her, her uh, uh, I, I acceptance, if you will, before there is a moment uh, of, uh, you know, enlightenment. But, yeah, it, it was a, it's a very good film. Although I must say that the theater audience that I wanted to see this with were a bunch of idiots. Um, so don't go see it with idiots. That's, that's my main takeaway. Make sure to pre-screen them, is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. You know, make sure that they're not going to shout out during very quiet moments. And obviously surreal moments that this is this can't be real. And also, <laughs> please make sure that they don't laugh. It, it's obvious that it's not real. <laughs> it's like, give me a break.
5: <laughs> and
3: then make sure that they don't laugh in the beginning when uh, you see the Earth and say that this is completely fake. It's Have you like, been
0: able to see it again, Abe? <laughs> what? Have you been able to see it a second time? What's that? Have you been able to see I it I was
3: not able to see it a second time. Right. But, but it feels yeah. like it'd be more real Just don't go see it with, with idiots. Yeah. I, I, I hope so, yeah.
0: I'm uh, right behind you with that because my number three is also gravity.
1: Houston, do you copy? Houston, this is
3: Mission Specialist Ryan Stone. I am off structure and I am drifting. Do you copy? Anyone?
0: yeah i i I was completely taken in by gravity it's certainly the in terms of like what cinematic experiences can give you gravity is certainly kind of the best of that that i've seen in a very long time i think every everything that you kind of go to the movies for which i know scott will be echoing at some point as well like it's it's very much in gravity i think man of
4: steel is my favorite film (laughs) uh,
0: it's it's so well executed in just in every respect i think sandra bullock is giving the best performance of <laughs> her career i think george clooney's practically going unsung because i think he's terrific in this movie despite not being you know the lead compared to what sandra bullock's required to do uh, alfonso cuaron just continues to deliver on how good he can be as a director that has these elaborate ideas for how to construct just sequences in his films and just everything else that goes with it with the crew involved that made all of this come to life the years it took to get this film to kind of work on the big screen certainly paid off i just it was well worth just the wait for getting this film finally to happen it's just a giant accomplishment in terms of effects and and storytelling because i do think this i i don't have this in gripes that certain people do that maybe mar- remark on certain aspects of this film not being as great as the others. I do think the story is very compelling, as well as the character work involved. All these things just really added up to a, a really fully realized experience for me that just will Will stand as one of my just favorite theatrical experiences.
2: I'm kind of surprised that this is your third choice, Aaron. I really expected this to be your number one. This was maybe the second to last change I made on my top ten.
4: Well, it's no R.I.P.D.
5: I... <laughs> <laughs> I- <laughs> um, you mentioned Aaron the gripe. instant classic. You mentioned Aaron. You know some of the gripes certain people had in, in terms of the story, and and I, I think that the the story, the narrative, whatever the characters are, you know, almost simple by design because the film is such a such an overwhelmingly visceral experience that the emotions are pure and potent. But I, I think it allows the audience to. Reflect themselves onto these characters and experience it with them. I agree with that completely, and it also—I mean, it
0: obviously comes with the fact there's only two characters in this movie, but it also—I mean, it—I do think there's a lot more complexity to it, and as opposed to certain films like, like Avatar per se, which I love. I love Avatar, but I mean, that's a film that's I think built on. Fairly easy to understand concepts, despite the complexity involved in being an avatar. What that means and all that, but it's because that movie's so grandiose and has to you know do a lot of things in the time it has that it has to have kind of a simple plot. I think Gravity, given that we have we're just following two characters in space, I think it has a a lot to just say. And I've talked about this at length on previous podcast episodes, but I just was really engaged by not just the fact that this looks amazing, but that Sandra Bullock's character is. Just was her, what was going on with her, who she was, was really enthralling to me and what it meant for her to kind of progress as this film went along without spoiling anything.
2: And and to make, make a case for her performance that she holds her own in a movie that has possibly the best special, I mean, some of the best special effects I've ever seen. And she still is an engaging character that you want to follow, despite the fact that you're, you know, also hit with all of these kind of incredible. I mean, very subtle special effects. I mean, it's not like like an Avatar, but but so awe-inspiring, and you still are drawn to her character. So she definitely um, she she does some work here that's that's extraordinary. That I think. I mean, I think she's going to be recognized. But um, it, it is something that sometimes people say, "Oh, she was just screaming," and, and uh, 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 no, she does a lot more than that.
5: For sure. Can you can you do that um, uh, 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 again? <laughs>
2: I'll, put it, I'll just put just it on Just watch the trailer. In. I'll put it on
5: the repeat <laughs> in the <chapters>. uh, <laughs> Yeah, we're
3: going to remix it.
0: All right. Uh, before we uh, move on to our number twos here, I'm going to go into some more feedback um, from various listeners and previous guests. Danny has, for his picks for the favorite here. this is the end of Pacific Rim, were the ones I enjoyed the most in theaters. Most rewatched on video were Wolverine and Elysium. Uh, Jonathan Van Dyke, friend of the show, has Pacific Rim, Nebraska, Spring Breakers, Wolf of Wall Street, 12 Years a Slave, and then Her. Uh, that would be his number one. Mike Jones has Pacific Rim, was his most enjoyable film of the year. And, uh, Wise the Blues' Brian White has Oblivion as his favorite film of the year. Pick he stuck with, and uh, I'm happy that he did. He really enjoyed it, and I'm glad he stuck with his guns. So. It looked great in IMAX. For sure. Looks great right on Blu ray. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, with that
4: said, Scott, what is your number two pick for the year? Uh, 12 Years a Slave. Um, sort of an obvious pick. I apologize. But, um,. What made this film work for me is that Steve McQueen wasn't content to just do a definitive film about slavery. You know, obviously slavery was very bad, et cetera, et cetera. What he does is he sets his story right in the heart of the moral complexity of basically a manufactured morality that came up during the inherently immoral institution of slavery so you basically have former slaves like alfrey woodard's character who is prospering from this institution of slavery you have benedict cumberbatch who for all intents and purposes is a good and decent man who also happens to own slaves and you know you have the characters remarking on this you know insane contradiction and you know by by not looking away from that by you know emphasizing that what the film becomes about isn't just you know slavery, slavery is very bad, and you know what it does to you know the the dehumanize the dehumanizing effect of those that suffered from it, but it also sort of asks us the audience, okay, guys, 150 years ago there was slavery, and some people were absolutely against it, some people eh they looked the other way, what if we looked the other way on what? You know, you know, the genocide of the Native Americans, slavery, internment camps, you know, what cultural legacy, you know, what are we doing today that we are turning a blind eye to that our great, great grandchildren would say, what the heck were you thinking? And, you know, I mean, you know, depending on your politics, you know, it's, 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 you know, the Iraq invasion, Guantanamo Bay, you know, the drug war, you know, what have you but he he doesn't just make a film about slavery he uses what should be an unquestionable moral sin a you know institutional national moral outrage to sort of say okay in hindsight it's easy to say slavery was bad but you know once again sort of getting to what i said about the hunt if you were there would you have been brave enough to do more than just roll your eyes and look the other way um and even you know Brad Pitt's character that yeah is somewhat ham-fistedly tossed in at the last minute and sort of, it's you know, not, the nice, the for, nice abolitionist.
0: For me, it's not that. It's just, it yeah. just felt like Brad Pitt's here. He's kind of took yeah. away from the mystique of the film for me.
4: <laughs> I agree with you. And also, partially, it's because of the character that he happened to be playing. Yeah. But even that character, to a certain extent, until he is motivated to do, you know, to, to be able to do more than just roll his eyes, he is content to just sort of say... Ah, eh, slavery stinks. Pass me that nail, and I'll hammer this for you. Um, and that's, <laughs> I mean, that, what I, that's what I that, found yeah, so I, fascinating. That was the quote that, from the film. No, it's not. Oh, that's paraphrasing. Uh, <laughs> but that's what I, I found so fascinating about I'm the film kidding. is: yes, it's an incredibly emotionally draining experience, and yes, there are scenes of horrible violence and and terrible sexual violence. And but what it does is it establishes, you know, it, it is really a, in my mind. About the, you know, again, it's sort of a manufactured morality in an inherently immoral institution. And by shining a light on that, it shines the light back on us and saying, what were you, what are you right now willing to turn a blind eye to? And how will you be judged by your great-grandchildren for doing so? And that's why I think it's more than just a defining film about slavery. I think it's a defining film about just the very concept of national sin.
0: Very well stated. Uh, Maxwell what is your number two film of the year
5: uh, My number two film Is short term 12 um, This is another uh, Time where I would recommend You rewind the podcast And listen to what Scott uh, So uh, eloquently Articulated earlier about the film I agree with with everything He, he said um, This is a, a Film that uh, I'm not Ashamed to admit that For, I would say, five-sixths of the running time, I had tears streaming down my face. Not only because of the tragedies, but because, like Scott was saying, of these little, wonderful, tender, uplifting moments of human kindness. I think it's an incredible film about the way human beings in any community, in this case it happens to be uh, a foster home for for at-risk youth, but how any community can come together and and connect and help each other on a very, you know, human level, overcome uh, our own individual struggles. It, it's a film that is so vulnerable and intimate. Um, it reminded me of many different people I've known throughout my life and experiences I've, I've had and, and and these little, you know, in the moment they seem like nothing little nothing moments but to see them you know depicted and captured um on film was great um there's a story that there's a scene a, a story that one of the kids who lives there tells about an octopus that i think is perhaps the best written um individual scene of the year um the performance is not just by Bree Larson who i think gives the best leading female performance of the year but everybody from Keith Stanfield, Caitlin Dever, a lot of these other newcomers, um, and John Gallagher Jr. are just fantastic. And and they're all so, you know, they're not, there's no melodrama to be found. Um, it's all just perfectly calibrated simplicity. I, I loved it so much. And, you know, it, it is a little film. Um, and and I would hope that, um, you know, more people get the opportunity once it comes out on Blu-ray on January 12th to experience it.
0: The Blu-ray also includes the short film that uh, Destin Cretton directed That's that this film evolved into, which is quite interesting to watch as well. Um, so, yeah, certainly, I mean, worth seeing tw- tw- uh, Short Term 12 just because it's a great film and just a, a solid Blu- Blu-ray to check out. So.
5: Yeah, and, and I think, sorry, just to, one last thing. Um, you mentioned Destin Cretton, the writer-director. I think... Mm-hmm. Part of why he was you know he has made another another movie before this, so he has the film skill, but part of what why I think he was able to make this work so well is that he did himself work as a counselor at a, at a similar facility
0: for sure yeah you know,
5: and when you're gonna depict or deal with you know an esoteric topic like this, first-hand experience is invaluable
2: Mark, what is your number two film of the year? Uh, my number two is *The Place Beyond the Pines*, and Ooh. this is a stunning multi-generational saga about fathers and sons. And I'm going to use a film criticy word. It's a triptych of different stories that are woven together. And I was like, I w- I loved all of them. I know like there are different people who thought the first or the second or whatever were better, but I was I was enthralled by it. And I love the way that the pieces fit together. Um, I think the uh there's a lot of depth to these characters and like what they um they have these morally questionable mo- motives uh but they often belie honorable intentions you want a house i'll get you a house you want to get
1: the out of here We'll get out of here i got that trailer i'll get a truck
5: we'll hit the road You pick a place you like, we'll stop. You don't want to be there. We're out of there.
1: What about my mom? She can come. What about Kofi? He can stay. He can get his own girl and his own kid. That's every man's right. It
0: sounds like a mainstream. Bro.
2: So I think these characters have a lot of depth to it, despite the fact that they're not all acting, you know, with, in the best way. And, uh, it's, I it just, it's something again that I saw very early on in the year and I never forgot it. And, um, I, I thought there was some really good performances here too. I mean, there's not a whole lot of talk about this film now. I, I feel like it kind of like disappeared maybe because it did come out, um, came out so, so early
0: yeah. Yeah, in
2: the, in the year. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, Bradley Cooper is in this, and uh, um, yeah, and Ryan Gosling, uh, and, and Ava Mendez gives a great performance. And I really like the way that it, it all just kind of fit together. And uh, Derek C. in France, he also did Blue Valentine, um, which is also a movie I liked quite a bit. Uh, this I, I liked even more, um, but I, I'm definitely um, interested in seeing what he, he does next because I, I think he's, he's definitely showing a lot of promise.
5: I like this movie a lot, too. It didn't quite make my list, but in an age where people lament unoriginality or same-same-same, the structure is so brilliant and ambitious.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, too. I was, I'm was i a big fan of this. This is on my honorable mentions list. Um, I think Bradley Cooper, in particular, I think he gives a career best performance, and I really liked him in uh, Silver Linings last year, and I liked him in American Hustle this year quite a bit, but I think... Something about what he's doing in the Place Beyond the Pines just, just does really responded to, as, as far as like an actor goes. I think he did just a tremendous job here, and same goes for Ryan Gosling as well. Ryan Gosling's proven himself to me many times already, so it's like wasn't a surprise that he was really good in this film. But he was, he was very great in this film, and I really like uh, Dane DeHaan. Dane DeHaan has been kind of up and coming as a young actor, and I think he just he, he deserves just as much credit as the other, these other you know more veteran actors have gotten. I mean, he's he's doing a tremendous job here, and I. He, for being a film that, as we discussed, is like two what, two hours and twenty something minutes long, I think it does have a nice flow to it, despite it being very deliberately paced. And it, it uh, if like if, if Terrence Malick was to direct like a gritty crime drama, it would be something like The Place Beyond the Pines. I'd imagine it just has that kind of kind of feel
2: to it that works. It, it has a really stunning opening tracking shot with. Uh, Ryan Gosling, and he he's playing with a knife, and then he's walking towards the the motorcycle in the cage, and it's it's completely uninterrupted. It's a brilliant start to the film. It, it was one of those. It's one of the when I see a tracking shot, if it's done really well, you you have me. I mean, if those are the kinds of things that I I know they they can be sort of directorial flourishes that people might say, oh, they're showing off. But I I thought it was a really interesting beginning, and he had me right from the start, and I never never grew bored of the story. One more thing, Dane DeHaan, he's great in it, and also he was in another film this year, which I'm not going to be mentioning because it didn't make even my honorable mentions, but it was a good movie, and that is Kill Your Darlings, and uh, Dane DeHaan is extraordinary in that film. He gives a really good performance.
5: Uh, I was just going to say that in regards to that opening tracking shot, it is very impressive, and... um, Uh, Earlier in the year, around the time the film came out, New York Times online posted a uh, sort of making of video exclusively about that shot, um, which I would recommend checking out if you haven't already. I
0: will do that now.
2: Yeah, I didn't know
5: about that. I'll definitely check that out.
0: Mark, I didn't know what your number two was going to be just because I... (laughs) I don't check in, in advance, and I but I have a de, you know I, a, I keep I have a good steel trap memory about what ratings you give to movies. So I really <laughs> thought you were going to say something like "despicable me Too and I thought I was going to be really pissed off for a second, but you
2: didn't. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> well, I I, I will well, with that text, though. I will defend that movie. I do like it. Hey, yeah,
0: I'm glad you do. I'm glad you had a great time with it. I wish I did. I really want yeah. to like that, but I mean it, it's. I just i don't i don't i'm just saying i don't know where these lists are going so i'm very i'm very excited about you know
2: what's hap- what's been happening so far and where things are going for well, it, and it's kind of like the it's sort of the way you compile your list too i believe i think it's as far as like a good time at the movies it, it i was there and it, it's like the tech Avery cartoons of the forties uh, it's just so whimsical and fun but it it's not the kind of thing that uh that made my top ten because it's well, I mean, I think I, I like these films better anyway that I'm choosing, but it, it's also it's it's not that it doesn't it's I know it's what
0: you're not saying. yeah like yeah. It's something about the not just like a rating you give it because who cares about numbers? But I mean, it comes to what do you see in a film at the end of the year? What does how does the year reflect on you? What movies stand out? And right, right. So with that, Abe, what is your number two pick for 2013?
3: Number two comes in with Blue Jasmine. I super like this movie, and I think the character work on Clay to ben- Kate Blanchett's character is so unnerving to some degree um I, I didn't really think that the Peter Sarsgaard character was gonna go where he went where he was just I thought that was gonna take a darker tone but I was happily surprised by that and also again I think that everyone kind of gives a pretty good performance but uh, her sister I can't remember her name now Sally Hawkins um Sally Hawkins she plays a I don't know Whenever, whenever, I guess, Jasmine shows up, she also brings a lot of baggage with her and also this entitled lifestyle, and it kind of was a sad thing to see when it, when it leaks off onto her sister. And uh, is, Andrew Dice Clay, I mean, he gives a really good sum-up of the film toward the third act of the film, and just it's a bummer. Uh, so I hope that people remember her. I think that they are going to remember her for Best Actress, and I hope that she certainly win some awards this come award season.
0: It's, it's neat because Blue Jasmine's such a, it's like Woody Allen doesn't need to prove anything, yet he still knows how to hammer out these just fantastic character dramas every now and again. And he's done so with Blue Jasmine and Blue Jasmine's a film that I, I like a lot as well. And I do think it has a very strong cast and I was very surprised by the, the tender performance of Andrew Dice Clay of all people. But, uh,
5: yeah, Dice killed it. I was right. like, wow.
2: <laughs> I, I like, uh, I, I thought uh, Andrew Dice Clay was great. I also liked Louis C.K. I liked yeah. Bobby Cannavale, um, and then you mentioned Sally Hawkins. I mean, they, they, there's a lot of good supporting work in this movie. I mean, really? aside from and then Kate Blanchett, of course, is extraordinary.
0: One of my favorite Golden Globe nominees is Sally Hawkins in supporting, just because I was a big fan of hers. As much as I do like Kate Blanchett in the lead role, I do think Sally Hawkins is just gonna get a wonderful supporting performance here too.
2: You know what, I avoid the uh, Golden Globes almost every year. I, people ask me, I don't even, but this year I actually, I looked up the nominations finally because people kept talking to me about them. I was really happy with the nominations. I don't think there was, uh, aside from um, possibly um, uh, James Gandolfini for supporting Nod, which he should be the best actor, but for Enough Said, I think they got it right all the way down the, the line. I didn't, I didn't see anything weird or, I mean, I'm talking about the movies now. Yeah, not, yeah. Not TV, but um, <laughs> I I thought I didn't see anything weird. I, I thought it all made sense, and and I and Sally Hawkins is not a big name, and typically with the Golden Globes you get a lot of these like you know Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt parts and stuff like that, and they they avoided that way by selecting her, which I thought was nice.
0: Yeah, in terms of like my regard for these awards, I certainly for, for Golden Globes especially I don't care, but it, I do look at the nominees. I was I agree with you. I was very pleased with a lot of the kind of I mean, like, is Greta Gerwig's in there, right? I believe.
2: Yep. Um, oh yeah, that's another one. Daniel
0: Rules right. in there. Like there are a lot of kind of Julie smaller Del- films. that Yeah, Julie Delpy. Like there's a lot of just these films that are like actual good movies and not you know the tourist that are getting nominated for Golden Globes or oh,
5: burlesque. I think I think part of that too, I think part of that too is the studios were smart this year in which category they decided to you know by putting American Hustle and. Uh, nebraska and inside and davis and even before midnight as comedies musicals whether or not they actually are it you know shut out some of these potentially like i mean i could have easily have seen you know in years past the heat nominated in these in this but it wasn't
4: well and that's you know a question and and uh, someone wrote an essay about this i think it was on the dissolve uh, about how you know by sneaking those, you know, not quite comedies into the Comedy Central, are they really just butting out the real comedies that otherwise would be up for these awards? You know, if it's something, you know, if you're going to have a co- category for comedies, shouldn't something like, you know, Anchorman 2 be the, getting nominated, as opposed to something like American Hustle, which arguably isn't really a comedy in a general sense? And I, I don't know. That's just... Um, I, don't,
5: I don't think there's I, an answer.
4: I will say something. that It, it always makes me happy. When I see someone like Sally Hawkins getting a nomination, because that to me proves that they actually saw the movie. You know, if you, you know, I'm not a huge fan of uh called Crazy Heart, but the fact that they nominated Jeff Bridges, okay, maybe they were just going with the, the hype. The fact that they nominated Mally Gillenthal, okay, they actually saw the movie and liked it. Fair enough. So it, it always makes me happy when the more low key supporting performance also gets recognition along with the showier starring role. You know, Ethan Hawk for training day, for example. Um, anyway. Where were we? Oh, it was me. Uh, <laughs> number
0: two. Amber. Yeah, number yeah. two, me. Uh, my number two pick is Fruitvale Station.
2: I'm scared.
1: Scared of what? I hear guns outside. You know what, baby? Those just firecrackers. You're safe inside with your cousins.
4: What about you, Daddy?
5: me. Maybe I'm gonna be fine. I'll tell you what, though. When we wake up in the morning, we're gonna play Candyland. And then guess what we're gonna do after that? Go to the park? Better. Toys R Us? Way better than that. Why? I
1: don't know. Maybe Chuck E. Cheese? Really? I promise. Daddy's gonna give you heck of tokens and we're gonna play all the games, okay? And we'll get your favorite pizza. We'll eat it all up, even mommy's because she can't have carbs.
5: What's a carb? You
1: ain't gotta worry about that right now. I love you.
5: I love you too, Daddy.
0: We talked about this one already a bit, but I really responded to Fruitvale Station. It Michael B. Jordan's performance in this movie is pretty fantastic, but I do think a lot of credit goes also to Melanie Diaz and Octavia Spencer. And something I really responded to was just. The way it shows life, and it just—it's a very—it's—I mean—it's a—it's a very simple film with a, a very obvious t- ticking clock, but it—it it has such a, a such a good handle on how to portray this person on this last day of his life, which gives a obviously a foreboding sense to it, but also kind of a a neat sense of reflection, and it's all done very effectively. Like it for first time director writer director Ryan Coogler, like he he's taken a story which doesn't really I mean there's not much to take it's just taking an idea of what if i'd made a movie about the last day of this guy's life and put it on screen and he, he does so which much like mark says he doesn't make him a saint he just makes him a human and it's it's a it's is very well accomplished because of that and you don't you don't see this person being praised any more than being kind of dragged through the, like it just it it works on that level and then you get these other performances you get his mother played by octavia spencer who has this who has a role that could be Played way differently in another kind of movie that would, you know, give her like some kind of automatic nomination because of the way she plays the role. But I don't think it comes down to that. While I think she's very good and she's certainly playing the mother role that has to respond a certain way to to an event that happens, I think it's handled in such a nice, nicely attuned way that fits for this movie as opposed to for an quote unquote Oscar movie. It's a very kind of subtle performance despite having lots of emotion involved. But the same goes for Melanie Diaz who I think is going to be un- underpraised because I think she's very good in this movie as Oscar's his girlfriend, right? It's not his, he's not he's not married, it's like his girlfriend. And that's yeah, his girlfriend. It's just a
5: baby mama. Yeah.
0: It's such a it, it just everything about it just it really clicked for me. Re- yeah. it, it really stuck with me throughout this year. Um I didn't there was no way I was going to leave it off this list. Now as I was forming this it just it was very it just felt very right for me to have it as high as I do because I just really was engaged by the story, by how it played out, by how affecting it was, by how – by my own emotional reaction I had to it after getting through it and during it. It's just everything about it just really worked for me. I can't wait to see what else Ryan Kugler does. It put, apparently his next – if the rumors stay true, Michael B. Jordan and Ryan Cougar will be at it again in Apollo, a spinoff from the Rocky movies. But even then, I don't know. Like, who knows? It will be a terrific thing. But regardless, Bell Station, fantastic film. That's why it's my number two film of the year. All right. We're, we're, we're at it. We're, we're at the top here, guys. We're at our number ones. Scott Mendelson, what is your number one film of 2013?
4: Gravity. Uh, it was an easy pick. It was, and I know some of you already talked about it, so I'm going to try not to say too much. It was the theatrical movie-going experience of the year these, you know, the, the, the visual, you know, the, 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 there there are moments in this film that are among my favorite visual moments ever. I It may be one of my favorite films of all time. You know, I'm, I'm leery to make such a boast, especially after a single viewing. But seeing it the one time that I you know, I only saw it once in theaters, you know, at, the, at the, wherever, it reminded me. You know, yes, Sandra Bullock is, is wonderful in it. I love her third act monologue that she gives. Um, George Clooney is terrific. The special effects are fantastic. The sound design is amazing. The, the tracking shots are astonishing. But what it all adds up to is a hole that basically reminds us why we got into this game. Why we love the movies in the first place. I mean, gravity is it. When you say, why do you love the movies? There you go, right there. You know, it does, you know, arguably, it's almost, you know, it's almost a perfect movie. And it is almost a perfect movie while being an incredibly special effects intensive film at the same time. While still being a terrific character drama. While still being an incredibly terrifying horror film. While still being a, you know, bruised forearm, you know, thriller. You know, it is everything. It is the complete package. And it... You know, I got the same feeling seeing Gravity that I did, you know, the first time I saw Field of Dreams when I was nine years old. You know, the first time I saw, you know, the felt, you know, Jurassic Park when I was thirteen. When I saw Fellowship of the Ring when I was twenty-one, it sort of like that 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 almost indescribable movie magic that. Not only, yeah, okay, yeah, as I said, this is why we go to the movies, but it was sort of a, this is what, you know, it showed us how little we expect from our would-be blockbusters and how good they can be when they try to be more and succeed at being more. I mean, it it is the best argument for the theatrical experience. For the movie theater, for going to see a movie on the biggest screen humanly possible, by being all of those films, while also being the best film of the year, and you know, I, I, I saw it on a Thursday, I published my review on a Monday, and I'll just leave it at you know, the same thing I felt when I walked out of it, it's like, how am I going to make this review of anything other than just constant, you know, profane land, you know, superlatives and it's just, it's gravity is awesome and, and in every sense of that word. Thank you, Scott. That was I incredibly well put. I feel like we
5: well should applaud after that speech. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> that was good stuff, Scott. You know,
4: all this
0: Leonardo DiCaprio start pounding our chest and humming.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, <laughs>
4: well, Aaron, feel free to add some, some you know, rousing background music
5: when you're editing this.
0: Yeah, I'll be, yeah. I'll be, yeah, the score from Apollo 13 will start to rise. The score
5: from Gravity, which you didn't mention, is, you know, incredible.
0: It is terrific, It is, yeah. it is. I, oh. I'm looking at my list now. I think I might have the soundtrack to every one of my movies on this top ten except In a World uh, and The Hunt. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, uh. It definitely
2: use. is the best argument to see a movie in a theater. I mean, I feel sorry for anybody who just downloads it and, like, watches it on an iPod or something, God forbid. I mean, that doesn't – it's just doesn't do this you know what? justice.
4: I don't feel sorry for them because, you know what? Re-book they had their You know, pardon my French, but F them.
0: Um, with, with that lovely bit of dialogue uh, Maxwell, <laughs> what is your number one film of 2013?
5: Um, okay, uh, you know, putting together my top ten list I had a pretty good idea of which movies were going to be on it But, you know, when it came down to it Picking the order was difficult But there was never any doubt What the number one film was going to be um, And that is Spike Jones Her um, I cannot praise this film enough. I think it's just a truly wonderful examination of uh, human interconnectedness, of, of love in its, in the purest sense of the word, of um, our reliance on technology, on, on how the future and, and everything that's coming doesn't have to be scary but can be hopeful. Um, I think spike jones screenplay is incredibly thoughtful articulate um just the characters are beautifully composed joaquin phoenix uh you know after his tremendous work in the master last year gives the performance that couldn't be more opposite and is every bit as good um you know, Amy Adams is terrific, and Scarlett Johansson using only just her voice, of course, makes, in many ways, many ways sorry, makes the movie work. She, you know, she brings, you know, she has a tendency, when she's acting, her voice is husky, and I think she really overemphasizes the husk and the rasp in her voice in this movie, so that Samantha, as a character, doesn't feel like computer or technology, but feels human, Um and I think, too, it's, um, you know, based on what I know of Spike Jones and his previous relationship with Sofia Coppola makes a fascinating uh, counter argument to Lost in Translation, another film about love and isolation and loneliness that I adore. Um, it's just it, it connected to me on so many levels and it sort of reaffirmed my, my love for films and what they're capable of because on the surface it was just a wonderfully entertaining science fiction romance. But it also left my mind pondering the future of our society and of technology and, and the, 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 the way that we need to maintain human connection. I, it was just – it was incredible.
0: Mark Oban, what is your number one film of 2013?
2: my number one film is captain phillips
4: two skiffs can't tell how many they carry. copy that there's no answer at
5: the u.s maritime emergency line where's the uk mto this is the mariscite alabama here's the captain uk mto
1: operations this is Mask Alabama. Our position is 2 degrees 2 north by 49 degrees 19 east. Our course is 180, our speed is
0: 17 knots.
1: We have two skiffs approaching at a distance of
2: 1.5 miles with a possible mothership following.
4: Potential piracy situation. Copy, Alabama. You should alert your crew. Get your fire hoses ready and follow lockdown
1: procedures.
0: Uh, yeah, it, is that it?
2: I'm relaying your transmission now, but chances are it's just fishing. They're not here to fish. I think the greatest triumph that a movie can achieve is portraying a crisis that's so honest and so pure that it goes beyond the point of just mere filmed entertainment, but you feel like you're actually watching the tragedy of real life. And I think Captain Phillips is that type of film. Um, He, uh, director Paul Greengrass, uh, he employs... Uh, handheld cameras and he films the action very much like you are there and it's it's not it doesn't unfold like a Hollywoodization it's not like there's not perfectly timed witty quips and there aren't superficial thrills you know like a glitzy action picture this is it's very raw and and honest and I think the crew behaves very much in the way that you'd expect real people who aren't trained for combat to act. And, you know, Tom Hanks is, before I saw this film, I actually had my doubts because Tom Hanks is one of those actors that is so famous that I feel like it's very hard for me to, you know, buy him in any role because he's just, I just keep seeing Tom Hanks. And however he did it, he did it in this film. And I don't know if it's partly because of Paul Greengrass's shooting techniques or if it's uh, Tom Hanks's performance is probably a little bit of both, but I forgot I was watching him, the actor. I feel like I was actually watching this captain, um, you know, and the minute that you see the blip on the radar where the Somali pirates are coming toward them, I, I was already, like, on the edge of my seat. I don't think I breathed for, like, 20 minutes in one section. I mean, you know, I, obviously I did, but that – there were moments where I didn't even realize that I was, I didn't even remember I was even in a theater at set points. I just felt like I was so taken with this film. And um, I don't know. It's just, you know, Paul Greengrass also did United 93. And I also thought that was an extraordinary film. And he, he employs a lot of the same types of techniques that made that film work with this one. And, uh, you know, there's a scene at the end I was so built up and so tense and so on the edge of my seat, and I won't spoil, but Tom Hanks, there's a release. And I was, I mean, I was crying because I felt the sort of sense of release that Tom Hanks had in this film. And I almost felt like I lived through this experience, and I I certainly don't purport to say that I have any idea of what it would be like to go through this, because I don't. But... I think the movie portrayed this event as well as any, as any movie could possibly portray this event. And I just will leave one other thing too. I think it does a good job of giving a little of the background of the Somali pirates as well. It's not just a one-sided event. You sort of do get a feeling of kind of, their, kind of where they're coming from too. And I think that's, that's nice that it also kind of gives you that as well.
0: I think it does do a good job of presenting the other side. I think Barca Abdi's performance with Tom Hanks and all of the other pirate, the actors playing the pirates, I think a lot of the success of that film comes from the chemistry that Tom Hanks has with those other actors. And um it does I I mean it's obviously it's not a it's not a movie that needs to, you know, give you complete reason why why you have to empathize with these pirates but it does provide good enough reason for you to understand the plight from different angles and that's very credible
4: i think it's a testament to the film that you know at least you know it comes to a point where you realize that you don't want the pirates to die either you know you certainly don't want them to perhaps kill captain phillips but you don't want them to you know you don't want you know i did at least i was sympathetic with them enough to say to sort of hope that 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 they would somehow escape this with their lives
5: that uh, release you mentioned Mark.
2: yeah uh
5: uh-huh. is some of the the best acting i 've ever seen. I know that sounds like hyperbole, but it 's just such a an overwhelmingly human moment
2: the woman that 's asking him the questions too. it just seems so like yeah that 's exactly how it would be, you know it
0: comes like and,
2: and what 's weird is that i don 't want.
0: It almost feels like the movie's being boiled down to just that scene, which I don't think is fair, because I do think everything you've described, Mark, about you, uh, just the involvement in that situation comes from how good the film is overall, and not just because Tom Hanks is able to do something really well in five minutes. I think he does a tremendous job throughout the movie.
5: Well, that, that scene wouldn't work if everything leading up to exactly, it Exactly, yeah. Yes.
0: That's what I'm saying, yes, exactly, and it's just a very commendable
4: aspect of it, for sure. The- 20-minute segment that you mentioned where you had your out-of-body experience, then it's... <laughs> no, no, I, I don't mean that. That's... Roger no, 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 yeah. That. That's how um,
2: can describe it.
4: Yeah, that's some of the best... That's, you know, with my personal exception of Stuff and Gravity, is the best sustained suspense piece of the year, without question. And I, I think it's the best part of the film. I think it's phenomenal. That 20-minute segment leading up to what we all know is coming. And... To me, the good mark of a good nonfiction film is even when you know it's coming, you know, something bad, you're still sort of subconsciously hoping that it doesn't.
5: It's damn good, man. Good choice.
0: All right, Abe. For This is the third year in a row where I have no idea what your number one film of the year is going to be.
5: <laughs> me neither. <laughs> it's probably Abe, the
3: only I'm one cool. that you guys have. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, just a side note, uh, we've all had very different Range of number top tens this year is that kind of just goes to show that 2013 has been uh, kind of uh, full of surprises. But um, it is the film that you guys have mentioned, but I haven't. It is Twelve Years a Slave, and I definitely think that this film is, technically speaking, very good. Um, I also think that everything that Scott mentioned, I, n- I hadn't thought of it before, but it, it certainly is very uh, thought provoking in that sense of you know what other atrocities are we tr- sort of just putting some dirt over and forgetting about, but also just the nastiness of humans toward each other and how that's portrayed on the screen. The, I guess the visceralness of the, uh, the actions of people, it kind of, uh, makes you wonder about just how, how we could get to these levels and how we could sort of, uh, do this to ourselves. And it kind of reminds me of some stuff that they did in Lincoln in 2012, um, and just the the battlefield scenes and some of the the dialogue that Daniel Dave Lewis has. Um, but yeah, Twelve Years a Slave. There's just the cinematography is excellent, and also just the use of facial expressions. And I've mentioned that before on some of Stephen Queen's earlier works as well. He's just a master of making people emote with their faces, and that really tore me up a lot. It's not really a film that I could probably go and rewatch every weekend or you know every now and again, but. Uh, I mentioned this last week when we were just chatting about, you know, a question about classics, and um, just hearing the name or just hearing the title sort of brought goosebumps to my skin. And just, um, again, it's not so much that it's a, an excellent film about slavery or whatever else, it's just more of the human being, the human person. you know, what could we do if we sort of uh, didn't have to do this, or if uh, if this did happen, we should view it in a light that is very objective as much or as objective as we hopefully could view it and um learn from it move uh, away from it as well but it it's a it's a film that is a is a thinker and i really really hope that people see this not because um you know whatever reason but you know performances are great whatever else is great but just it uh it makes you think a lot
1: <laughs> oh Stop! Stop your wailing. You let yourself be overcome by sorrow, you will drown in it. Have you stopped crying for your children? You make no sounds, but will you ever let them go in your heart? They are as my flesh. Then who is distressed? Do I upset the master and the mistress? Do you care less about my loss than, than their well-being? Master Ford is a decent man. He is a slaver. Under the circumstances. Under the circumstances, he's a slaver. But you truckle at his boot. No. You luxuriate in his favor. I survive. I will not fall into despair. I will offer up my talents to Master Ford. I will keep myself hardy till freedom is opportunity. Oh, Ford is your opportunity. You think he does not know that you are more than you suggest? But he does nothing for you. Nothing. You are no better than prized livestock. Call for him. Call. Tell him of your previous circumstances and see what it earns you. Solomon
0: I've somehow gone this entire podcast without saying the word Michael Fassbender. So I'll just say it right now because I think he's also tremendous in the film. But that's all I really have to add on to the discussion of 20s a slave. Lupita Nyong'o, yes. Lupita Nyong'o, yeah. Fantastic performances all the way through. And there's Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti, who, like I saw, be such like the humble limo driver in Saving Mr. Banks, only to oh, see Torture the a, a Slave again. What a flip, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like,
4: well, uh, he's playing a very similar character than when he played in Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes. True, yes.
0: <laughs> God, that's a movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, well-spoken, Abe. I'm glad to, glad to hear it. My number one film of the year is, it's also Spike Jones's Hurt. I love the world building in this movie. That's what I responded to a whole lot, the idea of where we are in this very plausible future that, you know, is, as we described, it's L.A. mixed with some Shanghai, just has this kind of, not otherworldly, but certainly, I mean, obviously futuristic type quality that makes it this unique kind of depiction because what it makes it stand out from other kind of sci-fi movies that we've seen and it and her is i mean it is science fiction that's kind of the way to classify it among other things it it's a very beyond being just plausible it's a future that i want to live in to an extent like i don't like there's so many kind of depictions of the future that that are you know dark and dystopian and you know air, places that you that technology will inevitably go if everything works out poorly, and you just kind of never want to really live there, despite how great the visual effects are, despite how beautiful it may look from a distance. Like, hers, futuristic society, looks like a place that we, you know, pretty much are headed, but looks like one that's not terrible. Um, and along with that, you get these, you know, these great performances here. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix is absolutely terrific in this movie as, as a guy that's, you know, not He's not, like, anything special. He's just a guy. I mean, he he's obviously, you know, he's lonely, but people are lonely in life. Like, there's nothing that makes him overall different than anybody else. It just makes, he's just this person that, and he happens to develop this relationship with his OS, which is obviously strange, but it's a Spike Jones movie, so that's not much of a stretch anyway. But that OS happens to be voiced by Scarlett Johansson, and somehow, Johansson's voice is not just, like, this is her voice on screen. It's her creating a whole character that really makes an argument for why she could be nominated for awards. I don't think it will happen. I don't necessarily think it should happen, but I do see where that argument comes from, and I think it's just such a great accomplishment um, in so many different respects from, obviously, the acting, from the directing, from the writing, to the very you know subtle work to make this world work, and it's similar to something something like Alfonso Cuaron in Children of Men, where it leaves a lot of the stuff in the background, where you just kind of pick it up as you go. You don't have these kind of giant explanations for why things are the way they are, you just kind of have it in the background and you 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 pick up on the fashion sense, you pick up on what LA looks like now, you pick up on the technology that's in use and then there's that whole technology aspect I love seeing like video games in this reality I love seeing where, the fact that we have these OS's that tailor themselves to the user and then we are able to make relationships out of it because of them, there's just all these fascinating things that just really excited me about a movie, and I love the way it just opened up doors and possibilities in my own mind just thinking about this world that Spike Jones created, and it's just, everything about it, I just absolutely res- responded to and just full. Like, I can't wait to see this movie more and pick up on more things and continue to respond to the the core emotional relationship, but also the other relationships in this movie. I loved Amy Adams in this movie, her role, and who's and she's just as good here as she is in American Hustle. And I think she's the best person in American Hustle. Like, there's so many, so many great different things about Olivia Wilde in the movie. And she's great in this movie. Like, it's uh, Rooney Mara is very good as his ex-wife and do see mostly in flashback. It's, it's just everything about her was something that I just really enjoyed, really responded to. It's obviously it has a, you know there's a, there's a layer of sadness to it which comes with a you know a heavy emotional story such as this, but it also it's nice that you know it doesn't feel I didn't feel bad about myself afterwards or anything like that. I felt just very satisfied just and immensely so because of how much I enjoyed everything about her, which includes how funny it is. it is always occasionally quite funny. So. her is my number one movie of 2013.
5: And the the pants are now available in stores. Oh my god! <laughs> no belts in the future. We just we figured that out. That's that's what we've done now.
2: I really like the way the story develops too. Yeah, there's yeah. I mean, we I, can't reveal. I don't think it's fair to reveal things, but it's it 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 has a point, and there's a there's a revelation, and that is really like a bomb, and I. I yeah, there was like there was actually laughter in the theater and at, at parts even things that I thought were like that's really sad, but you know I guess it's just sort of how you react to it. But it, it it's a very well thought out story. It has a point. You know, there's there's a it, it's it's well done.
0: It introduces it, these ideas about technology that I really enjoyed and things that made perfect sense to me based on where the story kind of takes turns to. Where I'm like that is the kind of thing that could happen with AI and this yeah. kind of
5: things. I mean, it's obviously very high concept, but, and sometimes when you see something that high concept, it doesn't feel like the ideas are fully thought out. But every note, everything that happens, it seems like Spike Jonze considered every possibility in order to craft the most fulfilling narrative. Great
0: score, too, of Arcade Fire and Karen O's songs, like, the all moment. these things. Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah. I do believe, Aaron. This is the second year in a row you and I were on this podcast together and had the same number one.
0: Uh, you are correct, sir. Yeah, um, and all of us have shared a lot of uh, very similar picks. I mean, um, uh Twelve Years a Slave made most of our top ten lists. Obviously, The Wolf of Wall Street made a few of our top ten lists. And Silentude and Davis Gravity. I mean, it, and these. I mean, I we, we can get into this now because we have a, we have a lot of honorable mentions. But I. I I think this is arguably the best year for film though since we've been doing this podcast, uh for, you know, the past three years. And there's just there were so many different options to go with and it like I certainly had a tough time kind of narrowing it down and then for God for sake, maybe ranking these films, but it's been impressive year for sure.
2: Definitely. Yeah, I know, Aaron, you're always fond of saying that your numbers eleven through twenty could be a top ten, and I do feel that way about mine. It's mm-hmm. maybe, we see yeah, enough yeah. we see enough films that there are, like, you know, actually 20 really good films out of the year, and the 11 through 20 are actually really good films. And I feel that way. I mean, I have 11 through 20. I really enjoy it a lot. Me too. So, so let's
0: get to that. Let's get to some honorable mentions. Scott, you want to go through your honorable mentions of uh,
2: Yeah, sure. Uh,
4: uh, Stoker. That actually made my, quote-unquote, top 11, but I had to knock one off for the sake of this podcast. But, no, I loved it. I thought it was a terrific, exciting, suspenseful uh, Yes, sexy, uh, you know, erotic thriller. Um, terrific performances, terrific pacing, and there's a third act reveal that's not violent. It's um, I mean, it's not bloody, it's not gory, it's not sexual, but it is the most horrifying reveal of 2013. And you might not even remember what I'm talking about. If so, so be it. But I'm certainly not going to tell you what it is here. But yeah, terrific thriller. I loved it. Um, Wolf of Wall Street, I liked it almost as much as everybody else did, and that's not what, you know, it just, I thought the first act was a little, I thought the third act was a little draggy by comparison, but I felt the same way about Casino. And, um, her, my only mild issue with her is that, to me, Scarlett Johansson was too recognizable, and that I was constantly picturing Scarlett Johansson as the voice, which put me in a completely different mindset as the character. Um, but I, to what extent that was just a matter, you know, I, that's not really the filmmaker's fault. But that's you know, uh, again, that's what makes it honorable mention and not the top ten, so not exactly an insult. Um, Fruitvale Station, I liked a lot. Uh, Nebraska, fil- Nebraska, I liked a lot. I, I was very moved by it. Uh, fil- Philomena, I was. It was much better than I was expecting. Um,
5: I agree with that statement, actually. Yeah. Judy yeah, yeah. um, G- Dench is one of my favorite performances. Of the year
4: um, and thank goodness they got that PG-13 because my theater was packed with you know <laughs> screaming you know, teenagers. Judy! 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 Um, so I was the youngest person in the theater by a generation.
5: <laughs> right.
4: <laughs> Two terrific documentaries about the war on drugs, the house I live in and how to make money selling drugs. They're both available on VOD and all that stuff. Uh, they 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 complement each other very well, and although I wouldn't put it as an honorable mention, I I liked it. If you're gonna watch those two, finish it off with uh, Dave Dwayne Johnson's uh, uh, Dwayne Johnson Snitch, which is a nice, completely satisfying B movie thriller that's slightly somewhat about the war on drugs. I wouldn't put it on my honorable mention or anything, but I certainly think The Lone Ranger is a film that's going to inspire the most critical reevaluation in the next you know few years. I like Saving Mr. Banks more than most people. I thought it was a much darker and more heavier and more complicated story than I think most people took it for. I liked that to me it didn't really present Disney as the, you know, him or the company as the cure-all to life's problems. In the same way that, in a certain way, the film was almost telling a similar story to The Prestige about how, you know, art is a temporary band-aid for the, what a miserable world we actually live in. I really, really, really liked The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Uh, That's another one I think was getting a bad rap. I think it's a very profound, thoughtful, humane, empathetic human drama that really worked for me because of the the small scale of its ambitions.
0: And I'm going to stop now. Okay. Maxwell, honorable mentions?
5: Um, I'll just give my numbers uh, 11 through 20 um, in alphabetical order. And, you know, as we were kind of discussing before, these are all also films I I like very, very much. Um, Blue is the warmest color. Captain Phillips, The Hunger Games Catching Fire, Monster's University, The Place Beyond the Pines, Rush, The Spectacular Now, Stoker, Spring Breakers and Upstream Color. All right. Mark, your honorable mentions?
2: Okay, I'm going to just in the interest of time just mention ones that no one else has mentioned. A lot of the things I there were ones that you guys mentioned in your top 10 list and they're also in my interim honorable mention so I I support everything you guys said. But I'll also mention I liked Star Trek Into Darkness. I thought that was a good film. I really liked The Book Thief. I was surprised at how much hate that critics had for this film when it is such... It it's actually seems like the kind of movie that you would think critics would like because it seems sort of heartwarming. And I thought at the center of the film, there was this performance by um, Sophie... I don't know how to say her last name. Do you know, Erin? I don't have it in front of me. Well, um, anyway, she was in... Um, Oh, gosh. She, she was in the Monsieur Lazar also. And I even cited her performance in Monsieur And La- Sophie Nelis is Nellice, her name. Yeah, she's a French Canadian actress, young woman at the center. Extraordinary. I thought I think we're going to see big things from her. I thought that was a really good film. Mark, I'll have uh,
0: you know that me, you, Scott and Weiss of Blues, Greg Sanko, all love the Thief. So yes, we <laughs> very much enjoyed it. You know, yeah.
2: I, I say hate. There's not hate towards it, but the, the um, reaction was kind of mixed. I and, think a lot of critics were turned off by the framing device.
5: Yeah, it's a shame. I thought it was really good, and I walked in kind of like worked so well in the novel.
2: Yeah, um, Wajah, which is the um, first film from a female director from Saudi Arabia, uh, a a country that doesn't even have movie theaters, and it it, this movie actually inspired me to do research about the country, and I learned a lot just because of what I, I. You know, sometimes you see a movie and you're like, oh, it can't really be like that. Yeah, it really it really is like that and you have to see this movie, it's really, there's a a little girl that's at the uh, center of it, and the movie does not judge, the movie does not judge their uh, society, and it does not come down hard on Saudi Arabia, which I thought was kind of refreshing, it's sort of a, it's a very even-handed portrait, Um, but really a a good film. Um, Side effects, I really enjoyed, that was kind of in the beginning of this year, and uh, Steven Soderbergh, I think it's, one of these films that is is probably thought of as lesser Steven Soderbergh, but I thought it was very a uh, finely crafted thriller, and uh, Rooney Mara I thought was really extraordinary in this. We mentioned her earlier in her; um, she even has a lot more to do in this film, and I, I thought it was uh, a, a really, a, a definitely a film worth mentioning.
0: If Side Effects is lesser Soderbergh, then I don't know how to finish that sentence, but it's a good movie.
5: <laughs> I think you wanted to say if Side Effects is lesser Soderbergh, then. Good for Soderbergh. Yeah, I guess
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's not Traffic or... um, What's the one with Julia Roberts? Those are like...
5: Aaron Brockovich.
2: Aaron Brockovich. Those are sort of like top-tier Steven Soderbergh, you know, big mainstream successes.
5: This is a guy who's, you know, barely made a bad movie. Right, right. Any more, is that it?
2: That, well, there were other ones, but okay. but you guys have said the right. film, so I gonna...
5: I will mention one other
2: one. I never even wrote a review for this film, but um I saw the documentary Blackfish, and I thought it was really good. It, it was actually yeah. kind of again I always try to approach a documentary like okay am I being led down one point of view? And I do feel like it was actually pretty fair, and it's it's horrifying. It's it's one of these things that it it kind of will make you not want to ever go to SeaWorld. Um, but I thought they did a good job at portraying this this Basically, that this character of a of a fish, and then like how it, uh, I mean the 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 killer whale, basically, uh, and the 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 life that it had, and how it goes into like what what created this sort of personality, and why this may have become a problem further down the road. It it's really kind of an extraordinary. Thing. I never wrote a some at some point I will write a review for it, but I, I never did. But it it, it it ended up in my honorable mentions.
4: I've been to SeaWorld twice and seeing it because I'm an inhuman monster who can't say no to my children. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, proving that having kids does not make you a better person at all.
0: <laughs> I should. Well, I, I saw Escape from Tomorrow. I know that. Um, <laughs> Abe, what did, <laughs> Abe, what are your honorable mentions for uh, this year?
3: Just few that you guys have somewhat mentioned as well. Um, I had The Hunger Games Catching Fire. Blown away by that completely when I left the theater. I was like, wow, this is a really good movie. Um, World War Z, super blown away by that because nobody does anything stupid. And also, I like the whole entire science aspect of them having to travel to different places to find a cure. And lastly, The Way Way Back. Um, minus the adult drama, which I guess has to happen. Uh, it was a pretty solid movie.
0: Um, I have, like you guys have mentioned, I have an 11 through 20. I have it in alphabetical order, so I'll just go over it. Um, All is Lost. I really like Robert Redford in that film and just the technical work done to make it work. Uh, Before Midnight, fantastic end to that trilogy, assuming it ends. Um, Blue Jasmine, wonderful Woody Allen drama. Captain Phillips, harrowing. It's a disaster.
3: Uh, <laughs> ah, currently,
0: ah. cur- no, the movie It's a Disaster is my next yeah, choice. Yeah. <laughs> um, currently on Netflix streaming, I highly recommend it. Uh, the Place Beyond the Pines, Rush. Short-term twelve already says would be night number eleven. The spectacular now, fantastic performances in that movie, and the way way back, my sentimental favorite for this year probably. Um, yeah, so there's that. Um, let's see. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, films that we um, that we kind of wish we would have seen. Obviously, we've all seen a lot of movies this year, but there may have been some that we kind of missed out on. Um, Scott, do you have any?
4: Well, in a world. I'm racked with guilt for having not seen that because I had a couple of opportunities and I, some stuff came up. Um, Blue Jasmine, uh, The Act of Killing, and uh, those are pretty much the big three that I wished I had seen to make my various end of this whole. Maxwell?
5: Um, I wish I had seen The Act of Killing, uh, The Hunt, and The Past. And, I mean, mostly documentaries and foreign titles this year kind of escaped me because, I mean, I found American cinema so strong and I saw so many that, unfortunately, I just didn't have the time. Mark? Um,
2: Well, Short Term 12 and Before Midnight. And, you know, I've seen Before Sunrise and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, But I never saw Before Sunset. So I just felt like I can't see Before Midnight until I see that one. So that's sort of... It feels like it's a dual package for me. Um, there's also a movie called Computer Chess, which I've yeah. heard a lot about. So um, I, I kind of would like to see that also. It Actually, I was kind of obsessively reading top ten lists at the end of this year, and that Computer Chess shows up on a lot of lists, actually. And then also, I, I didn't see The Act of Killing as well. Um, and there's also another documentary called Leviathan, which I've heard some good things about. It's about commercial fishing off of New England coast, it, and it's supposed to be really good.
5: It's so... Um experimental there's barely it's just mostly imagery it's really hypnotic
3: mm. uh it uh, just a few and um, short term 12 uh, in a world stories we tell and a documentary called medora which is the one about those basketball players in medora indiana
0: um, i had a number actually pretty much all of these are either documentaries or foreign um 23 from stardom a hijacking a touch of sin the act of killing blue caprice computer chess drug war which is on InstaWatch, Watch. I'm probably gonna watch that pretty soon. Uh, from Up on Poppy Hill, uh, Gloria. Uh, I wanted to see the original cut of the Grandmaster, um, which I don't know when I will. I'm waiting for that to come out so I can finally check it out.
2: Was Gloria ever even available in, in the country? I don't think it was. I'm... Yeah, I don't think that was even I don't think that has even been made available in the US yet. But I've seen
0: like the trailer for like the past like three
2: months. I'm like when yeah.
0: is this movie coming out?
5: <laughs> yeah, um that reminds me also a big one was The Wind Rises. That's my last one. Uh, yes. Yeah. You know, it had one week here <laughs> in New York and I just I was so busy that week. I, I guess I'll just end up considering it a twenty fourteen movie.
2: If you're a fan of anime, then you're gonna love it, you know that's okay
5: i love miyazaki so i'm 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 interested in in the controversy surrounding it too so
2: it, it what's different about this film is that it's not very it's it's more biographical it's not fanciful so it's not like spirited away or princess mononoke it's it's more of a like a biographical drama and uh so it has sort of a different kind of a, a feel to it um it's funny because the the controversy i don't think you feel the con when you're watching the film it's not obvious and then after you've it finishes, you sort of think, wow, they really kind of glorified this guy that really kind of is sort of indirectly responsible for millions of deaths. So it is something that if you think about it, it, it definitely, but it's not, as you're watching it, It's sort of it sort of sidesteps that controversy. Hmm. It, it's all about his joy at, at, at how he loves to design planes. It's sort of focused on that. Alright,
0: yeah. um, so we've been going pretty long here. Uh, presumably this is the second part of our Top Ten show, and um, i don't really want to end on you know bad movies so i just rather kind of end it with these uh these wonderful movies that we've all mentioned and you know hope to see soon as well before we really really wrap up any other thoughts on the the year in general i know abe and i were going to do kind of a special accolade show next week where a lot of you guys as well as the other uh friends of the show have all kind of contributed various answers to a lot of the questions we did the same kind of thing last year we kind of provide our own mini kind of awards to kind of movies that deserve some recognition but um any final thoughts on the, these top ten lists or the year in general before we wrap up?
5: Yeah, I mean, I guess, um, you know, every year always has good movies. I mean, people are quick to say, what a bad year for movies, blah, blah, blah. And I never personally feel that's true. I feel if you look in the right places, there's always things to discover. That being said, um, I think 2013 has been a particularly excellent year. Probably the the best year for film um in my life in terms of the years i've spent as a serious film buff you know and then having catched up i would say it it may very well be the best year for film since 1999 it was just everywhere you look there particularly american films um it's just been incredible lots of you know old masters making great new works and, and new voices emerging that i can't wait to see what they do next um it's just been great
2: I really like hearing you guys say that because I've heard people bemoan like oh this year blah 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 and blah blah But I, I I agree. I think it was a really great year. And I think ever it's hard for me to say which year is better than another because every year I think has great films. And you can pick your favorite film of the last ten years and say that was my favorite year. But I, I think every year has a you know a. A high quality, and it was extraordinary how many great films came out in the last month. I mean, it was funny how, like, I if you read like bloggers and stuff, it, it seemed like every movie that came out, people would say, "Oh, this is my favorite movie of the year." No, this is, and it, and it was happening a lot at the end of the year. There was a extraordinary amount of good films released like in the last last quarter.
5: I would say to me, determining uh, you know what year is better than others is not necessarily about comparing the quality of the the few best but you know how many good films there were overall you know whether or not you know the best films from this year are better than the best films of last year ultimately doesn't matter what matters is i thought there were so many movies this year that were good
0: i agree with that sentiment and um it's certainly because i when i you know see all these movies especially when i see a lot of good movies succinctly uh sequentially whatever um I don't tend to think about, like, whether or not something's going to be on my top ten. That's never really a thought that goes into my mind until I start to actually form my top ten, which would maybe be a lot easier on me if I did think that way. But it is neat to just be able to get into so many of these movies in a row and within this amount of time. Like, it's it's also stressful, though, because it's like you're trying to, you know, evaluate a year and you're getting just nonstop, you know, greatness, pretty much, and it's... It's, uh, it's, it can be intimidating, especially when you're, you know, in certain positions like myself or like Maxwell or Mark, or where we want to go and see these movies every, every week and want to be able to write about them and want to be able to communicate to others what movies should you should go and see. And Abe and I having to go on this podcast and talk about all these movies, like there's there's just a lot happened in this past month, let alone the year that, you know, really shows how strong it was.
4: Um, I think in terms of, you know, which year is better or whatever, I, I think... Unfortunately, it's, it's to me at least. I've noticed for years, it's always the same pattern. You know, you spend the first nine months saying, "Oh, there's you know none of the movies are any good. There's only one or two indies that are worth seeing." Blah blah blah, and then you know, come October, November, December, the "quote unquote" Oscar bait drops, and then by the end of December, everybody's like, "Oh my god, this is the best year ever." Um, and you know, I, I think that's a problem. I've always thought that was a problem that 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 the quote-unquote best films of the year aren't spread out year-round. Um, so it's, it's almost like, it's not so much, was the year good for film, it's, was the year-end Oscar bait up to snuff? Okay. Because in a year where it is, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a great year in retrospect. And it's especially great year for people, you know, general moviegoers, that don't necessarily need to see everything as soon as it comes out, where it may be a sprint for us, because we need to see stuff as soon as possible. But for general
5: moviegoers, you know, these are the treats that they're going to be enjoying for the next three months. It's almost a chicken and egg situation. Yes. You know, it's the studios release it all at the end of the year because the Oscars have constantly exhibited that they have a short-term memory. But because of that, you tweeted something the other day, Scott, that was demanding or changing the rules. So that needs yeah. had to come from the first half of the year. And I, I don't know how logical that is, but that to me
4: I think that would be better than what we have now. I wish that we could have movies like Wolf of Wall Street, American Hustle, Her or you know, what have you, all year round. And that they would be taken seriously as Oscar contenders all year round. Where we wouldn't have a situation that, deserve it or not, you know, Harrison Ford May well have gotten an Oscar nomination for 42, had it come out in November. But because it came out in April, because they decided to put box office ahead of awards bait, the film is dead in the water as far as Oscars are concerned.
0: Well, what we can take away is that we did get a lot of good movies. Oh, and we, yeah. And we've now um, completed talking about all of them at length. So with that in mind, let's wrap this up. That, that is, you know, going to be at the end of this this very lengthy episode. Um, you can find more of my work in my personal blog, at the code You can find my written, re- written movie reviews there, as well as at wiselblue.com
3: for Blu-ray reviews. And find me at Twitter at twitter.com slash ps 4 Abe? You can find antiquated articles at walrusmoose.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag ps 4 Maxwell?
5: Uh, you can follow me uh, on Twitter at twitter.com slash maxwell. Uh, Check out my website, com. I also write at theyoungfolks.com and co-host the Icapod Crane cast, which will be returning soon. Uh,
2: Mark? You can find more of my work on my personal blog, fastfilmreviews.com, and you can also follow me on Twitter, Mark underscore Hoban. And Scott?
4: Uh, You can find me at Forbes. My old stuff is at Mendelssohn's Memos. My new stuff is at Forbes. And just for the record, I didn't want to end this podcast in a down note so i would just say any year that includes gravity is one of the best years for film in recent history
5: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Woo! all right uh you can of course find all the other episodes about now and Abe on itunes and at stitcher also at hhwld.com. you can find our show there along with other shows like the walking dead tv podcast the ichapod Cranecast, of course which i host with maxwell as well as brandon peters and other fun shows about comics and games and cool stuff like that.
3: You can also find all of our episodes over at outnow.podamata.com as well as youtube.com slash outnowpodcast. Feel free to email
0: us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your picks for the top films of 2013.
3: Also, interact with us over at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast and twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast
0: and lastly outnowpodcast.tumblr.com or you can leave that we have, you know, plenty of posts and pictures there and you can feel free to send us a voicemail at 972-798-3830 specify our show and just, you know, send us a, a voicemail message our way, you know, whatever, whatever you want. All right, we've done it, guys. We've talked about the top 10 films of 2013. It's been a long effort. I appreciate all of you
2: being here. Thank you for having us.
0: Yeah, thank you very much. Always a pleasure.
4: Thank you for having me. For sure.
0: Um, Abe and I next... Well, we'll have our accolade show at some point. That might be a bonus. And I think we're going to talk about... I think we'll talk about her a little bit more. I think we'll do, like, a full review on her in the coming week or so. To do, like, an actual review on it. Not just, like, hey, this is how much praise we give it. But we'll see. We'll figure it out. We'll figure out our schedule. But until next time. That's going to do it for this, this year in film. Moving on to next year. Until... Before we talk about other... Whatever. Regardless. <laughs> that's gonna do it so long and goodbye happy new year
1: I've never been the basic, know what it is
0: I should know I'm gonna split this in two guys I'm gonna split this podcast in two um yeah. Abe we'll go over this afterwards um it's
5: running pretty long I don't think anyone's gonna sit here and listen to three hours of us <laughs> No, they won't I wish they told me <laughs> like I mean
0: well we'll figure it out
5: <laughs> I mean I can barely tolerate listening to three hours of us so people not in- invested as I am like, I'm pretty narcissistic kind of- I can listen to myself talk for a while
0: it's weird how used to it I've gotten but, uh, <laughs> I meant that for Scott, not for myself. <laughs> I know. <laughs>